I'm proud of you. Why? You took the loss to me in Tech Mobile well. I had no one to blame, man. I, you're up two scores and you turn the ball over and whatever else I did. I, like it was well, you called it actually. I know, but that's how Tecmo works. I feel I feel like this is almost a this is gonna be a Joe was right special episode. <laughs> because you oh, were lovely. Thank you. I know you love those. <laughs> I guess that's the consolation for losing and losing to me in Tecmo because you were right. You called it. It's like you get it, you're gonna get a turn, yeah. turnover. You're yeah. gonna get a turnover. There's usually one per team per half. Yeah. Usually. And sure enough, like two plays later, I think I ended up with a pick and then I turned that around into some points and I won the game. Now it wasn't mm. as dramatic as the championship game that ended in a freaking that, safety. That was amazing. Steven. <laughs> now that was some player one magic. There is something to be playing. Player there one. is. That's, this is why when I played listeners, I was player two. It was like, you, you, you yeah. can be player give, one. Give it's, them all it's the a, it's all advantage good. they could possibly have. No, we had, anyway, I, we had a great time. with Red shady. So I'll have to do that again. You ready to start the, I was right. Extravaganza. I feel like they're all ancillary points, all right. but. I'll take my wins where I can get them. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Let's do this. OG. 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 Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obias inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Joe got a new Kyocera hub last week. The best part about Copiers Plus. They'll do an amazing job setting up, setting it up for you. It's super easy for you to understand, right? Okay. So. Oh, see, but this is what I was leading to. This is what I was leading at. Customer service is key. Drew and Jerome come to the house. They set it up. They show me everything. Yeah. You have a pin, this whole thing, right? Right. The next day, the tax guy was like, hey, I could, I need this document. And I was like, wait a second, I can do this. Yeah, I can you do this. You didn't text me. I was I was excited. So I hit a button. It looked like it did something. I had to email it. I was trying to email it. Right? Sure. And uh, I get this message and I, I immediately text Drew and Drew did not immediately text me back. He was doing probably real work. Mm-hmm. And then like five minutes later, I was like, oh, I have to go through pinpoint scan in order to make this <laughs> that because I didn't enter the pin. Right. Because obviously they track every all of your usage uh-huh. and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, and then I solved it. And then I texted him, I'm like, I solved it without you. Good and he was like, you. he goes, that was a test. And I said, thank you very Good much. Good for you. Good they, for this you. Is, but if I can figure it out, uh, you could figure it out. Also, mm-hmm. figure out a way to save yourself some money. Go to copiers plus.com. Speaking of tests, uh, there was a test for both Duke and North Carolina on Saturday at the Smith Center. Top 10 matchup. We can go through all the rigmarole of, oh, it's the 49th time, and there's this score and that score, whatever. This was a <sighs> test. The game that always delivers, Joe. Uh, and North Carolina delivered exactly what I would expect out of North Carolina. They played, even though, even though Duke did score 84 points, and people want to nitpick the defense for UNC. I wasn't, there was a nitpick of UNC's defense. I'm, you're making a face. I'm not making this up. There was like a, well, you know, Duke's like, I'm sorry. While Duke hung around, I'll reiterate this point that I made in the totally not a panic room I did with Brownlow on Saturday after the game. It was good to see, by the way. It was good to see Brownlow talking some hoops again late at night. Duke hung around, but I never felt that Duke at any point was going to find a way to come back in this game. Because North Carolina would do two things, either make a key stop or more importantly, 
make a big bucket or not necessarily like he stopped fight for a loose ball. That was something that John Shire was very upset about after the game. I never really felt that Duke was going to get back in this thing in the second half. Carolina was in control throughout for a variety of reasons. So Carolina delivered. There's some questions about Duke going forward, specific, specifically Kyle Filipowski and how they're going to have to overcome some roster limitations at the four five, which I think really came to the forefront on Saturday night against Carolina how Armando Baycott dominated that game. But th- that's a conversation we can have for later. I said my piece on UNC Saturday night. What did you think? I think it's, they said it all in the first half of that game. And, you know, we had, I think Baycott is the big narrative coming out. It's not only for the way that he played, but for what he said, mm-hmm. and the ACC runs through us. <laughs> it does. Runs through me. It does. And it does. This was an easy one going into the game to look at and go horses for courses. Like, you knew Ryan Young would have to play way too much against Baycott because, did. you know, Mitchell uh, is an athletic guy, but he's slighter. He, he's going to have a hard time that that's got big, like Baycott's about to take you to take you to school. And he did. He had one of those games. Mm-hmm. Interesting kind of coming out of this, the way that people view Baycott at this point. Right. Okay, uh, so like before- I have my own limitations of Baycott and, you know, we had the famous uh, Efton Reed comparison. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's an elite player. I think he is a guy who is at his best as a complimentary part. And as a guy, when he rebounds and controls insides, controls inside and gives them extra possessions. I think that's, I think that's his best role. That's not a bad thing. I just like, you know, you think of some Carolina greats and Hansborough and Jameson and some of those other interior scorers. And I, I just don't put him on that level, but that's not a bad thing. Here's Jade. Jaden, who covers uh, Carolina for the News and Observer, had the video audio of Armando Baycott, the comments that really got a lot of play after the game. You might have read them, but here's what he sounded like. I knew we were going to lose this game. I wouldn't allow us to lose this game. And I mean, I see what everybody say. I told you, I'll miss nothing. And just going into this game, I mean, it was just a different fire. And really, I came in just pissed off just seeing you know, some of the things people say. And, I just love this university so much, and I think I see stuff like people questioning me and like how much I really wanted and stuff like that. I took that personal. I took that personal, Joe. The Jordan. Come on, you know that got people hyped. You know that got people. Hyped. I took that personal. Previous three games: five and seven, five and four, nine and nine. Yeah. I mean, if you believe he hasn't had, if you a, believe his own family's reporting that mm-hmm. he makes more than a million dollars to play college basketball for North Carolina, five and seven, five and four, and nine and nine ain't getting it done, man. Well, what's getting it done? <laughs> but here, okay, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander on my drive-in after dropping the kids off at school, and Parrish was like, "Hey, you know, Armando Baycott was like number two on our players to watch. You know, he's an All-American candidate." But this is his first, you know, 25 and 10 game in like three months. Right. And, and I and I get that part. But you and I have talked yeah, about this. Tennessee. He was outstanding against Tennessee. You and I have talked about this when it comes to Armando Baycott. While he can be a stat monster, it's important to note what that stat monster is coming from. Go be the garbage man. Go be what we need you to be. I have made the argument. You have made the argument that Armando Baycott has been what North Carolina needs on the defensive end. We were obsessed over. We were obsessed over. The removal of Caleb Love and what that means for Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. We've seen clearly what it means for R.J. Davis with Elliott Cadeau coming on. He doesn't have to be the point guard. He can play off the ball. He can go be what he's naturally meant to be. Baycott 
has almost become more complimentary with the addition of Harrison Ingram being a rebounding machine. But I still think that's a good thing. You still well, have I mean, to account for Baycott. Yeah, he's leading to Ingram's rebounding success. Yes. He, he is almost partial, I mean, half responsible for that. Here's the thing with Baycott. I think we talked last week about um, new NIL problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, DJ Burns. And we talked about motivation. And I think people can see that, that, that the conversation evolves, mm-hmm. right? It goes from, hey, man, the players, the players should be paid. To our other mindset of now, all of a sudden, like last year, we would have these conversations about Jaquavion Smith making a half million or $400,000. And you're like, hey, man, if you're going to make $400,000, Nigel Pack at Miami. Hey, man, if you're going to make $750,000, sure, you got to be a whole lot better than what we're looking at right that's, now. That's fair. Remember Josh Pastner telling this guy at the front row, like their payroll is, is over $2 million. <laughs> our payrolls are the negative, right? So I think part of what we're seeing at a Baycott is, First of all, he did start the season with a bunch of 20 and 10s. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, okay, this is what he's going to be this year. That has changed. And, you know, the Tennessee game, UConn game, uh, and then the Duke game. Those are big effing games, by the mm-hmm. way. And he showed up in the big effing games. Mm-hmm. So you have to give him that. But part of it is looking at some of these other games and you're like, hmm, okay. Is, I mean, how do you stay on 100 the whole time? Like I tell you, anybody can podcast on but I don't, Monday. I don't think it's about staying at 100. I think actually this is a credit. You don't to think you. he has lulls? No, no. I think what this is, is this gets to the other aspect of Saturday saying, night. I'm not Chapel saying Hill. he's being lazy and like eating donuts, but like you have lulls. You heard what he said. I get the that words you. that came out of his mouth were, I had a little bit extra on this one. I get that. Okay. I get that part. I think what we're missing here is Hubert Davis has everybody buying into what they're trying to do. Oh, he's pushed every single right button this year. We've talked about that a lot. He is your ACC coach of the year with how they've turned this thing around. He's the ACC coach of the year just by watching this team play and everybody buying into yeah, forget about roles. last year. Pushing the, you know, the guys who, who know their roles. Hey, let's let's look about in-game coaching decisions, right? But, Elliot Cadeau it was a little too much for him at times because again, Duke good. Duke is good defensively and RJ Davis had a slow Duke's better on the perimeter defensively. Duke yeah. had a slow night or Duke uh, Carolina had a slow night, particularly with RJ Davis because yeah. Tyrese Proctor, you see the donuts, but Tyrese Proctor did a really, really good job on RJ Davis. Um, but of course, when you focus your defensive efforts on the ACC player of the year, it opened up everything else. But there was a moment there where Elliot Cadeau was a little too sped up, was kind of getting into his own head with mistakes they put Seth Tremble in, who has been a very good player off the bench, to come in and give you like really great, what, 18 quality minutes. I think he scored eight, uh, 10 points, had some key buckets. That's pushing the right buttons. So if we understand that Hubert Davis is pushing the right buttons, then I think that also extends itself to Armando Baycott not being so caught up in the, hey, wait a minute, this is my last year at Carolina. What's more important to Armando Baycott, getting 20 and 10 a night or actually putting something up in the rafters? And if you're willing to understand that I might not be getting my double-doubles every night, but I'm still affecting the games in other ways, and I'm helping my teammate Harrison Ingram do what he is able to do, and R.J. Davis is able to thrive because I'm also able to do what I'm doing, I think that's a good thing. I I, I think we're having two separate conversations. If you're looking at Armando Baycott's not living up to the ACC Player of the Year hype, okay, fine. But I'm watching Carolina play, and I see a team, and in order to be a team, guys like Armando Baycott and all the money that goes along with it, he has to understand his role. And I thought he's, I think he's understood his role very, very well tonight. And to your point, if you need him to have the big game, if you need him to have the monster game, like the Tennessee game, like the Duke game, clearly he's capable of doing it. I, I think this is a little bit too much nitpicking on 
Armando Baycott in the season he's had so far. A little too much. Now, now I'm just going by his words. On the flip side, I'm just that. going That's by his That's words. Fine. That's fine. On the flip side of that, I think we can all agree that Kyle Filipowski is not having the season many expected him to have. And there could be a variety of reasons as to why that is. People will point out he had offseason surgery. I can point out that it seems like every time I watch Kyle Filipowski play in person, he is uh, on the floor retying his shoe because he did something to his ankle, right? And it was, uh, while he did get it into 20-point territory, he had to do it on a bunch of shots, and he got embarrassed on Saturday can night. I, can I give you one of my favorite Rod Brendamore stories and, <laughs> and, and one of the stories that um, it, he like didn't talk to me for a little while about? Okay. So Luke was very smart back when we were at the News and Observer. Mm-hmm. When Rod Brandamore got a divorce, he was like, hey, uh, can can you go write about this? Uh, it, it, it's filed. Just take the paperwork. Write a story. You know, it, there's like a $5 million, you know, a settlement involved in this whole thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, just go get the court work, write the story. And then you have to go ask Rod, like, hey, here's the thing. And it, he was struggling. He was flat out struggling that year. Like mm-hmm. it was totally and completely obvious that you were having a poor year despite his reaction at the time, which was, I, I don't get any power play minutes. That's why. And I said, okay. And that's what I wrote. Wrote mm-hmm. the story. Da, 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 da. Uh, now, if you know anything about Rod's first wife, she she was eccentric. So the, the moment I met her in 2002 during the Stanley Cup finals, I was like, you're, you're, you're married to Rod Brindamore? Very different people. Very, very different people. It happens that way. It does. So, I right. Can, I can say that about you and Jess. I write. Like, you married Joe? Oh, okay. I write this story. Bless you. I write the story. Rod Brindamore now does not talk to me for a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. That was the 03 season, I believe. 06 happens. They get to the Stanley Cup. They win the Stanley Cup. They, yeah, everybody and their mothers ec- ec- ecstatic. Rod wins this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was at the time Fox Sports South. Yeah, that was the thing. Does this? And they like, had their own digital outlet too. They did this whole thing about the Canes and Rod Brendamore. They had Rod Brendamore's dad do an interview from their home in Campbell River, mm-hmm. and the dad goes, "Well, you know, when Rod got a divorce, <laughs> that was really hard on him. It was really difficult. That season was. I mean, like people don't realize how hard that divorce was on him." And I'm paraphrasing here. And I'm just like, I'm watching this at my home. And I'm like, that. <laughs> he was mad at me all these years. And here's his pops going. Well, you know, you know, that was, re- I say this all as a way. Say, where's this going? I say this all as a way of selling, setting up. Kyle Filipowski is going to be in the G League next year. He's going to get hot. He's going to get called up by the thunder mm-hmm. and he's going to fit in and you're going to see him with Holmgren and giddy and shay gilgis alexander and he's going to you know have this little hot spell and they're going to interview kyle filipowski and he's going to go well you know i was never really healthy last year right i had major surgery on my hip before my sophomore year at duke and now now i'm 100 percent i'm a healthy guy now but at the time that was not all that that was an adventure that was an adventure, Joe. You like know, where I went on that I, one? I really didn't know where you were going on this. I, I, yeah, and you're right. You're right. I, I could have used other examples of, I mean, if we're going to go the hockey route, 
You could have gotten the cliche. You come to find out, oh, by the way, this player was playing with his leg detached <laughs> for five of the seven games in the Stanley Cup. Glenn Wesley had a broken foot that he played <laughs> right. the final three like, games. You could have gone that direction? No, no, that has to be like a year later. No, I know. When I know, they I finally know. come I, around I, to I, it, and they're I, like, I, well, I, you know. You know, anyway. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And I think you and I are in agreement that we don't know what's really going on with Cal Filipowski. However, I can tell you that whereas Hubert Davis really won in the portal and addressed yeah. needs in the portal. They didn't now, add anybody in the portal. Now that we've gotten this far in the Duke season, it makes you wonder, you know, Josh Shire really could have used a five in the portal. They didn't, you, they didn't get anybody in the portal. You look at this recruiting class and it was such a weird recruiting class nationally. Like mm-hmm. even McCain, their highest rated player was 14. Uh, then you have TJ McCain, Power. McCain's come on though. Do you have TJ Power, who's really done nothing. Sean Stewart, does he play? I don't know. Caleb Foster. You know they they signed four guys in the top twenty five. Yeah, and of the people who actually showed up in college basketball, they have like four of the top fifteen mm-hmm. who actually showed up in college basketball. They're not difference makers. McCain McCain has become something. He's become something. But yes. the rest of them, and to not add anyone in the portal, that's the key. Like that's the key. Re- recruiting that that sorts itself out over over time. Heck, go the, out and get him one of these Stanford guys. I mean, they're they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> the whole rosters for sale. Here's John Shire after the game. This is now the second time I've seen. I thought after the pit game, John Shire was mad. We now have a new level of John Shire as a dad. Not mad. Just disappointed. Wasn't happy with the with the way we competed, and uh, that's that's disappointing for me. And uh, you know, you can look, you can play really well and compete your your butt off, and still lose to them because they're a really good team. But we didn't compete to the level that you need to to have a chance to beat this team tonight, and that's what I'm disappointed about. But I know there's second half of ACC play to go where. Uh, this team can be really good, but uh, tonight was uh, not good enough for me or for our program, for our team. Thanks to Robert Willey for providing that video for us from the News and Observer. So uh, Shire's right. Seeing that out of Duke in this particular game would drive somebody who's been in this contest, both as a player and as a coach, nuts. Okay. I mean, they and gave I, up 93 points. And it and this has been a consistent issue for Duke throughout this season in that there have been some questions of compete or some questions of commitment to defense and rebounding, right? And I do think that it was telling, and I mentioned this on the on the totally not a panic room on Saturday night. There wasn't a single question about Kyle Filipowski from anybody. But I don't think there needed to be because I think what was not said about Kyle Filipowski was the point that in a game where your biggest players need to step up, he had a small night, so small to the point where the entirety of the Carolina bench and players had fun at his expense, okay, doing the too small thing and, and everything else. I'm not saying that Duke is a bad team. They're a top 10, top 15 team. They simply just have some roster mismatches that were exposed and I do think that comes down to the four or five and that Kyle Filipowski needs somebody else to unlock what he's capable of doing. Like we saw down the stretch last year, there's stuff, there's stuff going on right now, whether it's, you know, lingering injuries or recovery or whatever it is, or just being frustrated that he doesn't like to get pushed around. And without anybody there to absorb that, it really becomes a focal point for Duke. So Duke will be back in action. What Wednesday night against Notre Dame at home, they should be fine. Um, 
I'm going to stick consistent to what I said going into this game, that I'm not going to vastly change my opinions on either team based on the result. I will maintain, though, as we put a wrap on this conversation, that Carolina at least gave me what I expected. I was disappointed in the way that Duke came out in this game. Not saying they can't turn things around, as, as Shire said. They got half the season to go. Uh, this might be the ass-kicking they need to kind of get things going, maybe to challenge Kyle Filipowski to be more consistent. But then again, he might be hurt enough where he can't. So there's there's some questions about Duke going forward, even though I still think they're at least a top 10, top 15 team in the country. I mean, the talent's there, Joe. The talent's clearly there. I think the talent's there relative to the rest of college basketball. It's there. Relative. Sure. But they just haven't had a lot of continuity, but there's still time to make it happen. Still time to make it happen. Let's get to some housekeeping. Housekeeping. Housekeeping is brought to you by Enovana. Check them out, Enovana.com, E-N-O-V-A-N-A.com. Green cleaning. They're coming out to the house on Tuesday. It's funny. It was a busy weekend in the obvious house between going to basketball games, kids stuff, spending an entire afternoon at Shady's, playing Tech Mobile. I did not have time to get much done around the house. But this is where having somebody clean your house is beneficial. Time is money. We save you money, or now we're saving you time with Inovana green cleaning. So they could come out to the house tomorrow. I'm very excited about this. I could almost hear a Rand jingle to Inovana. Well, that would require Rand to return our text. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> I see I where you're hear going it. I could kind of sort of hear it. I know this though. I see where you're going with it. You, you want to get your house cleaned. You want to save yourself some time uh, <laughs> and the effort. I, 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 I repaired three sinks bathroom sinks this weekend oh geez yes and i broke one how's your back there were three or how's your neck not good but <laughs> okay. the inovano crew might need to come over to garner to yeah. help me out go check them out at inovana.com big thanks to everybody who showed up and hung out at shady's in garner yesterday for our first tecmo super bowl tournament uh i don't know if we're gonna do it again maybe we try to make this an annual thing maybe we pick another video game for the next Sunday in between the conference championship game oh, and the Super Bowl. Only if Josh can get the quad box to work. Oh man, that was close. We were close. Yeah, so, so Josh could probably do that with like a Madden or some some sort of new game. I'm thinking we could probably do it. Yeah, we could probably do that. Um, NFL Blitz or something like that. Oh. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun, right? <laughs> so, big thanks to everybody who showed up. It was a good time. The ZD was on point. Thank you. That was really really good ZD, man. Uh, there was no flan because I forgot my mom was out of town. <laughs> Ken could not wait to give you a hard time. I know. No, my mom was in Denver because my cousin uh, is about to have a child. So uh, she's out there helping. Priorities, man. Hey, no, I totally get it. Tecmo, childbirth. Tecmo, childbirth. Yeah, yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. I I get it. I get it. Uh, So maybe next time. Maybe. 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 like where you're going. I can get my mom to make the flan for our next event, Joe. Our next event, the OG tailgate. That's right. We did one hockey game in November. Now we have a hockey game in February, the OG tailgate. We will be with Butcher's Market and also our friends from Sweetwater, the 420, the official arena beer of the OG. That's Saturday, February 24th. It's a Saturday game. Mm -hmm. 8 p.m. start, which means we will max out our tailgate with our friends from the Butcher's Market in our normal spot by the pine trees over by the east entrance, but behind the eye there at the east entrance. Come check us out. You don't need a ticket. You don't need admission. You just come. You come hang out with us. We'll have some uh, tasty meats for you from the butcher's market and some beer from our friends at Sweetwater. I need to order some. We got to order some swag. 
This is a swag event, you think? Stickers, at least. I think we still have a bunch of stickers. Uh, I've given out most stickers, actually. So I'll order some new stickers. Maybe we'll do some one-off shirts. Whatever you do, don't give away the Carolina Cobras license plate. And that thing's sweet. What an addition, my friend. What an addition. I got another Cobras thing that you're going to see tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, that thing is in pristine condition. I don't know how Russ did that. So, yeah, shout out to Russ Henry, Russell Love Muscle, who was at the Tecmo Bowl tournament. He had texted texted the old, uh, we have a group chat. Uh, me, Chris Clark, John Marble. The 850 chat. Well, yeah. it's, it's technically called 850 The Balls. The Balls. Yes, yes, 850 The Balls for my very infamous slip-up uh, when I was doing a 2020 sports update. And I said, all right, Joe Ovius, 850 The Balls. I don't know why I said that, but I did. 2020. People thought that was the year. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Russ had texted. He was at an estate sale and he saw this. With, some, with like some other stuff. I'm like, auto purchase. It was like four bucks. Oh, wow. It's like four bucks. Please buy that for me. So yeah, that Cobra's thing is up. Fantastic. Speaking of... Shouts um, to Todd Ridge and Nate Boudreaux. They probably still have a bunch probably. of Cobra swag Well, speak, speaking of defunct football, you know, Josh uh, from Whitaker and Hamer, he's got an extra Skyhawks pennant that I need for him to yeah. donate to the studio. <laughs> he does. I need that in the studio, man. Come on now. Uh, anyway... So big thanks to everybody who showed yeah, up. The tailgate. So come see us February 24th. It's a Saturday, the OG tailgate. Thanks to our friends over at the Butcher's Market. Now, while we were hanging out at Shady's for the Tecmo Super Bowl tournament, Matt Davis, State Farm, he was there. He was in the house. We're very excited to see Garner him. Garner through and through, man. Give him a call, 919-779-8277. InsureGarner.com, the OGinsurance.com to save money on your home and auto. Let's go. Yeah, do what Gold Star listener Troy did. Call them. Or go to the OGinsurance.com, figure out how much you can save. He saved 40%. Mm-hmm. So the savings are there. Matt Davis can take care of you. Check it out, the OGinsurance.com. Also, big thanks to Homefield. They just dropped some new merch for Duke, Carolina, and NC State. Do we have the right years now on these big four championships? You know, I don't know. So I pull if you're watching on YouTube, I pulled up the homefieldapparel.com website. They've got a new lacrosse championship sweater, which is or crew neck, sorry. Uh, which I'm hype about. But here's the key part. They've got a new big four shirt, 1977 champs. The heels? The heels. I think that tracks. Okay. I got to double check on that one. <laughs> they got 82 national champs, which is, that it's an amazing shirt. But I'm really curious about the big four, the eighth annual big four, 77 champs. Do you cool. know who still gets no love, which we need to get on our people for? What's that? I would absolutely buy an OO final four hoodie. Uh, the forgotten well, OO final yeah, four team. Yeah, I could see like, that. They would literally have built a statue for that team at NC State. I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> the eighth seed who goes to the final four oh. with two football players we helping. Wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't stop talking <laughs> about it. You're right. <laughs> well, speaking of big four, so like they never dropped, gets right. They dropped Duke. They dropped some Duke stuff. So they got a crew neck. They got a, a Duke tournament, big four tournament champs, 78, mm. 79. Mm. Right. Mm. They also got the back to back 91, 92 crew neck, which is sweet. I'm a big fan of that one. And they also dropped some NC State stuff as well. So let me pull up the NC State. But what I'm noticing is that they don't have an NC State Big Four. I got to get to the bottom of this. Uh, but they did drop a 1998 Wolfpack women's tee. They've got Who's Afraid of the Big, Bag Wolf, Big Bad Wolf. That's a good one. Uh, and they also have a cool new basketball one that says Back to Pack with the State of North Carolina in the background. Use the promo code OG23 to save 15% off your order. I want to get to the bottom of the Big Four thing. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code OG. 23. Speaking of the Wolfpack, 
you decided to go to the NC State Georgia Tech game. This is going to lead to a larger conversation about ACC vibes, but Georgia Tech coming off an upset of North Carolina in the building, CW game, NC State took care of business. And I feel like that's kind of NC State's resume story so far this season. They've essentially beaten all the teams they should beat, save Virginia Tech. But the problem is they still don't have any necessarily wins of note. So they've been holding court. NC State just has to go do something in conference play the rest of the way to help themselves out. But they did they did what they were supposed to do on Saturday against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I thought Saturday was a great illustration of what I've been talking about this whole time and that there's just not that big of a difference between these teams. Yeah. Georgia Tech has wins over Duke and Carolina. Sure enough, those were in Atlanta, but here they come to Raleigh. They fought after a slow start. They had a five-point lead in the second half, and then State cranked up their defense to the point where they ended up winning this game 82-76. DJ Horn, for better or worse, is the bus driver of this team. When he gets hot, he can carry them. Uh, Jaden Taylor uh, found a little bit of his game, too. I think Casey Marcel is finding a little bit what he has to find in order for this team to be really good. But I, you know, my takeaway was State played well enough in the second half, did what they had to do to win a basketball game, that, again, they won't get credit for mm-hmm. because it's not Duke or Carolina. But the truth of the matter is the rest of this league is very, very similar. Look no further than Virginia and Clemson, 66-65, in one of the most Clemson-like <laughs> losses in the history of Clemson basketball. As my friend Josh Goodson likes to say, maybe Clemson basketball is just NC State football. It's just never going to happen for them. You know, never, Brad, Brad Brownell might be absolutely allergic to the NCAA tournament. How he, how this team can go out of the league and win the games that they did. Yeah. And now to come into the league and play the way and do what they're doing right now in the league is like, it makes no sense. You it know, makes absolutely no sense. I'm going to, I'm going to do the rare thing here. Mark it down. I'm going to give Josh, Josh I'm yeah. going to give Josh a lot of credit. Yeah, Josh, here. Josh is onto something with this one. Josh, I'd never really considered that with Brad Brownell and Clemson <laughs> basketball, but damn, that's actually that it's a thing that hits. And then that hits you know, the, Josh. the rest of the league, Louisville won at home and they beat one of those teams who I do think while their record is 12 and nine. Now, like I look mm-hmm. at Florida state and I go, that looks like an NCAA tournament to me, team yeah. to me. Yeah. Right. When you just watch teams, but obviously your resume, as you like to say, the losses have to count at some point. That Louisville loss is going to hurt for will hurt them. Uh, oh, and look at that. Wake Forest. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Well, <laughs> crazy. What is, <laughs> how did they finally figure out how to play in the second half? Weird. Uh, our friend Steve Forbes finally, finally, finally having uh, in, in Dave Dorn's voice, finally. Having a second half with 57 points. Yes. After they yacked again against Pitt in the second half. They weren't uh, they they weren't finally dribbling it off their shoe. They finally came out and, and played uh, pretty good. Deeks looked pretty good. Yeah. 99-70. Hold on. Is this, is this your, because they, they finally figured it out in the second half. You're like, ah, here we, here we go. Wake. I'll just say this. Like, you know, UNC's running away with it. UNC's head oh, yeah, and shoulders yeah, yeah. Are, like better sure. than everybody else. But anyway. For sure. And they're going to win the league. And there's no yeah. doubt about it. I, and <laughs> by the way, I didn't say that UNC wasn't going to win the game in Chapel Hill. Right. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they meet in, in Washington. I would, I would like to see that. I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, I'm with you. That'd I'm be a fun game. Seeing that. That'd be a fun game. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. I still think that North Carolina is head and shoulders above everybody else in the ACC. They are and they aren't. I mean, they just lost in Atlanta. Eh. 
That happens. They, like told, they weren't going to go. They weren't going to go undefeated in conference. Play. Yeah, but you're saying head and shoulders. I'm oh, saying yeah, they're better. Nights. But yeah, they're, they're, anyway, there's there's all sorts of reasons why a team might lose on a particular night. Uh, I do think it's interesting that Georgia Tech has these two wins, you know, against Duke and Carolina, uh, while everybody else has been struggling to do so. But anyway, uh, I thought that was. But you know, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Florida State looks like a like it looks like an NCAA tournament team, but you're not helping yourself when you Clemson, lose. Florida State, Clemson, Virginia Tech. I mean, looks these are all like teams that lost an NCAA tournament team, but they've lost. And it, I want to blow this I up. I don't think Pittsburgh's that far off the bubble. No, Syracuse no. isn't far off the bubble. I want to blow this up to a larger conversation about the ACC because there was a thought going into the weekend, and there's a thought coming out of the weekend. The thought going into the weekend and getting ready. For for the Duke Carolina game, I had put this out on social media and the response to this was interesting that the, I think we have, I don't, I, I think we don't know on a national level how to talk about Duke and Carolina. Now this was a top 10 matchup that typically would get the people going. Okay. But without Mike Krzyzewski, without Roy Williams, what happened two years ago in new Orleans, there's almost like this hangover that we're still trying to get out of. They need that recovery drink from the butcher's market. I had one this morning. It was delicious. To get us out of whatever malaise we seem to be in when it comes to this matchup. Because the Smith Center was rocking on Saturday night. The students were hyped. The students still care. They're out on Franklin Street. It was, you know, if you were in the building and it came across on television, when the game actually happens, you can't find a better environment. You just can't. And when they go back to Cameron Indoor Stadium, it's going to be the same thing. You're not going to find a better environment. But going into the game, there was this kind of like, ah, well, it was almost a, a dismissive conversation. I'll use the I in College Basketball podcast as an example of this. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander were just kind of like just making jokes. They weren't really previewing the game. They were just kind of making jokes about, is it eight miles? Is it nine miles? You know, they were kind of doing what we did sarcastically about the, you know, the records and everything else before we actually got into talking about the game. And then coming out of the game, the, there was more interest in what happened with Purdue. There's more interest with what happened with Kansas. Uh, there, it's just, it's, uh, and I, and I put it, I put this out there. And I think the reason why we're here is, and I, and I tweeted this, I would love to see the way North Carolina is playing now. I would love to see them play Kentucky again, a game they lost. I would love to see them play UConn again. You might think that UConn's still the best team in the country, but if you think that the Carolina squad that played UConn back in December is the same, well, then you're mistaken. I'd love to see this. But there's this weird attitude that because we already saw these games, well, we know what North Carolina is about. The game was back in December. Why are we still using that as some sort of knock on UNC when you can literally watch them play now and understand they're one of the best teams in the country? My, one of my favorite uh, Kay Yao quotes that she used to have was, success is not final and failure is not fatal mm -hmm. and when you look at carolinas particularly in basketball we get this sense and you I remember great moments in uh og history mm -hmm. when the bucks lost a, a game to the celtics in the playoffs and everybody was overreacting and you were like what why is this like why why have we turned this into a referendum on Giannis antetokounmpo yeah. why have we suddenly thinking that the you know the, the celtics at the time, very young, are mm -hmm. going to be that much better than the team that just had the best record in the NBA over one game. 
Oh, well, we do that all the time. Over it's, one game. You know, is this series over? Right. It's, it's the classic Mike Greenberg. He will yeah. show up on Get Up the next morning. No, it's always Greenberg. It was, I say this as somebody who has nothing but respect for Mike oh, the Greenberg. Hustle. Yeah. He is the best in the business at mm-hmm. what he does. Okay. You want to talk about bus drivers? I call him a traffic cop. He is the best in the business of keeping a show going. That's why Mike Greenberg makes the money that he makes. But Mike Greenberg has a crutch. And that crutch, like everybody else in this business, we all have one. His crutch is when there's a seven-game series, he will come out the next day and go, is this series over? It's over. No, it's not. It's one game. I think that's the reaction to Carolina. The the, the loss to UConn, where, quite frankly, they weren't as competitive as the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game was back and forth. Mm -hmm. They have the ball. They have a chance to win the game. Cadeau has a turnover. He shouldn't have been in the game. And Kentucky's, by the way, Kentucky's two freshman guards played really well in that game. Yeah. Kentucky, by the way, is on the struggle bus. I watched Rick Barnes Saturday night after that Carolina game, and I'm watching Rick Barnes. I go, oh, that looks like Clemson with skill. Yeah. <laughs> like they are just there and they're pushing people around. They got little gamey. That's like, Tennessee, I, man. I, I, I have a little twinkle in my eye for, for the orange. That's what people expected out of Tennessee when they played UNC. Yeah. Because the last time we had seen Tennessee, but they of were, course they were bullying Duke in the NCAA Carolina tournament. That game it looked like a million dollars. But we, we don't want to judge Carolina for the Tennessee game. No. But we want to judge them for the Duke for the uh, UConn or the Kentucky which game gets to my central question. And also don't give up on Tennessee just because they got run out of the gym at night in Chapel Hill, <laughs> which gets to my central question. Why is this happening? Why is the, why is the immediate reaction to anything ACC basketball related? And I get that there's a possibility that we're too close to it. We watch the ACC more than anything else, but I do feel that there is this general attitude that we don't want to give UNC credit for the things they've done well. And we want to use the things that and I don't know if it's a yeah. college football thing. I don't know. It's because, the ACC has run things for so long and they're in a weak spot right now that others are popping up to like take take yeah. their time, like take the corners I, back. I don't know why. This is a legitimate question. I don't have the answer to. I'm trying to figure I'm it out. Give you an, I'm going to give you an answer. Okay. It's brand erosion. Yeah. Okay. Louisville, a team that they added, had a Hall of Fame coach. They're, they're going through it. Mm. Chris Mack, obviously. Irony alert. Mm. <laughs> Irony alert. The national media's favorite effing coach yes. was Chris Mack. Mm-hmm. Was, is now part of the reason why one of the biggest brands in the ACC is in the tank. Irony alert. Okay. Louisville in the tank. Syracuse, while on the bubble. Brand erosion. Even, even, brand erosion under uh, Beheim not being there. Pitt. You know, I get it. It's been a minute since. Jamie Dixon. I get it. It's been a minute since send it in, Jerome. Yeah. But Jamie Dixon had a few squads, too. He did. Not there anymore. You you just kind of go down the list and you're like, okay, well, who, if those guys go down, who comes up, Mm -hmm. right? Duke and Carolina are steady. Virginia plays the most boring brand of basketball in the history of basketball. Tony does himself no favors by having the personality publicly that he does. Mm -hmm. And then what's left? Our favorite guy is Forbes, but. They got to break break in news. They're not in the tournament. They haven't been in the tournament. Wake, Wake has to win more. I think, and I think part of that brand erosion too, Joe, just to, to piggyback on this, like the other day I was watching, it was, I think it was a Monday night game on one of the ACC, it was on ESPN proper mm-hmm. and it was like Pitt and Georgia Tech or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he had all this ACC branding and it took me like 20 minutes to figure out it was actually an ACC game. Mm-hmm. Like Pitt, they're not really an ACC, Georgia Tech, like it was, it was like, it's only going to get worse. Right. By the way. That's what I'm saying. So I think that this is their problem. Like you watch a Big East game, you, you get the warm and fuzzies over somebody, 
right? Even if it's even it if it's a, Providence, you get the warm be, and fuzzy. To be fair, it and took now a, look who's bringing St. John's back. To be fair, it took the Big East a little bit of time to find its new identity with yes. non-classic Big East schools. Remember the, the classic Big East schools for the most part <laughs> in the ACC, right? So it took a while for the Big East, and who knows? Given the way things are going in college athletics, which we'll talk about a little bit later on with the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, it, it's a big day for the Joshes, you know, jo- Josh Graham might be right at the ACC should be a boutique basketball league <laughs> in the same way that the big East is. Cause that's where things are headed. You, you talk about brand erosion and this is where I know it's true for Duke and Carolina. The brand erosion is there. I love to see West, even Dur- though they're successful, but it's not the same. I understand. Yeah, you're right. It's not the same. I love to see our guy West Durham thriving. I love that the conversation they had with the Greensboro Sports Commission in the Greensboro Coliseum with Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski will get its TV treatment at the end of the month. I love to see that. But they're still trotting out Coach K and Roy Williams to talk about the good old days. And to quote The Wire, the thing about the good old days is that they were the good old days. And they, they ain't coming back. It is what it is. You have to evolve. And that's where I am with Duke and Carolina specifically. We have to evolve in the way that we talk about these things. Because you don't have Mike Krzyzewski, because you don't have Roy Williams, because you don't have those identifiable brands, because college basketball really keys in on the coaches you like, as you mentioned. Like the national media love Chris Mack. Well, we're going to talk about Louisville. You know, there's a group of people, people who love Ed Cooley, so they're going to be talking about Georgetown, right? So John Shire and Hubert Davis don't have that yet. They just don't have that yet. And when you're looking for sizzle, Plus John Shire, but John Shire is not bringing out hate, man. He's just not. Yeah. You might want to make fun of his faces from back in the day, but he's not bringing out hate. <laughs> Hubert Davis, I th- I still think there's some sort of like there's a lot of having to overcorrect for the year that was last year. That I, there are I, I still think there are some people who still want to see more out of Hubert Davis, even though they completely turned it around this year. Yeah, Hubert is also for someone who worked in the media as long as he did for the brand that he worked for as long as he did. Does, he's he's kind of super awkward. He doesn't give a with shit. The media. No, he doesn't give a shit about the media. That's what it is. Right. Awkward or not. He just doesn't give a shit about the media. And that's his prerogative. And clearly it's not necessarily affecting him if they're going to win basketball games. And but real quick about the coaches, because yeah. I actually noticed this on the scroll. Yeah. The other night. College basketball forever has been about the coaches Always. because the, the turnover is on the player on the roster. Even back then, it was like, okay, well, how do you identify Georgetown, John Thompson? How do you identify Syracuse, Jim Beheim? right? That's the, the 80s, the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the scroll in 2024. And on the scroll, it says Bill Self Lee on the scroll, the ESPN scroll. Bill Self leads Kansas to mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. I challenge you in the history of ESPN to get Brian Ives on this. Have they ever put an NBA score ticker that says Doc Rivers, Phil Jackson, yeah. dot, dot, leads, no. dot, dot, dot. They won't. In a regular seat. What? They won't. Brian. Bill I, Self leads. I was like, what? Brian, I know you're listening, so we'll Venmo you some money. No, don't uh, make on, him do all freelance. You know he will because he's he's wired that way. We'll Venmo you some money. If you can come up with that stat, we would appreciate that. But that yeah, this is the Dick Vitale. No, you're right. You're right. About we wanted to promote the Michelangelo baby, yes. the general baby. Yes. You know, it's not the players. It's the coaches in the college game. Well, well, and that that extends itself with the game itself. Right. And we'll, we'll wrap the conversation here on, the, on this particular topic before we move on to the Big East and the SEC or the Big Ten and the SEC. There's a retconning of last year in how. After the Duke Carolina series ended with these iconic 
Coach K moments, you know, beating Coach K at Cameron Indoor, sending him home from the Final Four in New Orleans, that the rival, it's over, we got the ultimate trump card. And you're right. From a fan perspective, you will always have the trump card over a Mike Krzyzewski discussion in the rivalry. But it simply ended a chapter, and now we're entering into a new, a new chapter, and we don't know where it's going. It's being written right now as we as we watch. But you can't sit here and tell me that Carolina fans, the cope of saying, well, you know, we ended Coach K's career was relevant last year when they got swept by Duke, and Duke won the ACC championship, and Duke was crushing it in recruiting while Hubert Davis was going through the transfer portal, having guys leave. Oh, my, Cooper Flagg is coming, and oh, my, Kyle Filipowski is coming back, and these guys are leaving, and what's going on? The cope levels were not good enough by just invoking, well, but we beat Coach K. You didn't care about it last year. You didn't care about it last year. So I, it's like this first world problem that I saw emerge when, ah, well, you know, this game just doesn't have the same feel because, you know, after the Coach K thing, you know, ah, it's whatever. We always have the ultimate trump card. I'm like, you weren't feeling that way last year. Okay. So I think for this game in particular, we're just going through an evolutionary process of what the next chapter is going to be. And I don't know, maybe Kyle Filipowski helped it. I know Cooper Flagg is going to help it next year because if you need somebody you don't like, Cooper Flagg's going to be that guy. Or I don't know, maybe we just need another Art Heyman moment. I don't know. I don't know. Those are things to uh, to look forward to in the future. I'm very excited about it. Big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Julio. Check them out, myhtr.com. Interest rates are getting a lot of headlines because the interest rates, interest rates are coming down, which might get people a little bit more motivated to buy and sell a home as we as the weather gets warmer. That's another reason why homes start selling again. It's the spring, you know, XYZ. Get on it. Avoid the friends that get with myhtr.com. Yeah, if you're really serious about being somewhere new next year for the next school year, now is the time to reach out. Hometown Realty, myhtr.com. You could buy, sell, calculate. Six locations from here to the coast, more than 250 agents. And more importantly, get into that new construction. Uh, every morning, Joe, I'm driving by it and I see it. I know. And I'm ready to, to invent the, uh, what is the thing in, in Star Trek? Is it a teleporter? <laughs> or I can, yes. Do I snap? Am I like kazoo? Am I no, 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 no. genie? No, you got to get into How many older references can I make? You got to go stand in something. You need Scotty to like basically push up. Not, they had like Beam a, me up. Beam me up. They had, they, had a, they had a bunch of, essentially they had a mixer. That's all it was. It was a repurposed mixer. <laughs> it was like the roadcaster. The roadcaster. They just did the dials up. Yeah, I need, I'm going to need you to do that for me. With all this new construction. Somewhere. So yeah. do yourself a favor. Get in on that new construction. Get over to Hometown Realty. It's myhdr.com. Let's say you refinance. Let's say you bought that house. Let's say you need to close. That's where Whitaker and Hamer can help you out. Check them out. WH.lawyer, attorneys and counselors at law. And uh, again, big thanks to Josh and the crew for helping us out for the Tecmo tournament over at Shady's. If you haven't gotten to Shady's yet, uh, you should. And I don't know, maybe we'll give you another reason to visit Shady's in May. Spoiler. Spoiler. Might be cooking up something in the future. Just saying. Be on the lookout for that. Should be a lot of fun. Next topic. Please. So Ross Dellinger, Yahoo Sports, dropped a couple of nuggets over the weekend related to the Friday news dump of the SEC and the Big Ten announcing they've got some sort of working committee to better get through the logistics of college are, athletics. Are they going right? to look each other in the eyes? <laughs> Somewhere. I saw I saw ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips on Saturday night at the Smith Center. Mm. 
And, you know, we did the usual chit chat and I was like, Hey man, love to talk. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll set something do you, up. Do you want me to sell you out right now or no? By all means. That's why I brought it up. Cause I think I figured this out. You went, um, you, you, you dropped the full hammer on Jim Phillips on this podcast after it was after the college football playoff, college football, play, the, or Florida yeah, the Florida state. state. Yeah. yeah Florida you state. went, you, you went all the way. Yeah. You dropped the hammer on him. Yeah. So I, I and I, that was not performative, by the no, way. No, no, no. So what I think <laughs> it's not performative. If I'm if I'm rem- if I'm understanding the situation correctly here, you were in Chapel Hill on Saturday. Yeah. Jim Phillips thought you were me. Yes. He thought you were Julio, not obvious. Yes. It was, I, that it was expressed to me that he thought he would talk to you. I I in my in my head, I took that as he this is the first time he's seeing either one of us since the podcast. Since that, yeah. So he must think in his head. Oh, the one that went hard, the one who usually goes hard is Jillio. <laughs> Obvious is, you know, usually the more level-headed I'm usually, one. I'm usually a good cop. Yeah. So in his head, he's Maybe. probably like, he's probably like, well, I saw the clip of somebody absolutely just dropping the hammer on me. It had to have been no. Jillio. We'll see. We'll see if I we think can, that's what happened. We'll see if we catch up with Jim Phillips at uh, at the ACC tournament. We shall see. Um, so I, as I joked on social media, though, I know you're making a face like, no, Joe, that's not going to happen. I know. I, we gotta try. That's fine. We gotta try. No, I'm, just, I'm just laughing. We're gonna be in. We're gonna makes, be in DC. It makes me laugh sometimes when sometimes you unleash the fury and people have you, not you dealing with the consequences, but you unleash the fury sometimes and you let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, like NC State doesn't even talk to me. Like the, for what? Who the hell knows? Uh, who knows? Right? Who knows? But that. You want to be in the game? Which, you got then you got to well, deal with the consequences. You want to be not only do you want to be in the game, at least I show up and still talk to you. Yeah. There's another thing that happens with that. I mean, a lot of people drop the hammer on whoever and then they never actually and they show up. Yeah. And they're like that's that's a different conversation altogether. Yep. Uh that's when I get in my own and that almost sounds like a summer series of media pet peeves. <laughs> anyway, I already <laughs> already aired one of my you did. I joked, I joked like clearly Jim Phillips is punching couch cushions, branded couch cushions in Charlotte when he sees the release. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you guys just did you guys just remix? Did you guys just remix my alliance? Is this the super alliance? Wait a minute, that was my idea, guys. And it's not ding 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 ding. So it's not lost on me that Tip's trying going, you mother bleepers. That was supposed to be my legacy. And now you guys are doing a super alliance? Uh, if, he, if he really is the sleeper agent deployed maybe. by Jim Delaney. Maybe. So to kill the ACC. As, maybe it's all part of it. As Dellinger uh, calls it, this nameless joint effort. No, let's just call it the super alliance, y'all. A historic cooperative movement between the country's most powerful leagues is an initial step in their intent to steer the future of college athletics. The latest examples of authority shifting from the NCAA's age-old national governance model to its more prominent conferences. Okay, fine. When that news drops, the next day, we get another Ross Dellinger piece headlined. I got to go all the way to the top because I want to get to the SMU situation with college football playoff still undecided on future format. SEC and Big Ten express doubts in commitment. <laughs> Quick context. The college football playoff still has two more years on its television deal. They're expanding it to 12 teams for the next two years. It runs out in 2026. However, with all the craziness that's happened in college football, the proposed and agreed upon six and six model is actually not not no longer employed. Yeah, I mean that's the old math, right? That's the old math. Now they want to do a five and seven model. 
But really, but who's we when you say they? Well, that's the because thing. I suspect as all along the SEC has been like, no, let's just let's just committee this thing. Uh-huh. Let's just put twelve teams in, so uh-huh. we get eight of them. <laughs> it's all about money distribution too. So this is the two parts that I found interesting. They brought up SMU situation. This is from Ross Dellinger's piece. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips expressed his disappointment in the situation at Yahoo Sports last month and recently introduced a compromise proposal that is expected to be further examined in the coming week. At least two leagues, the SEC and the Big Ten, do not support granting any more Power 5 distribution to those teams elevating from Group of Five to the soon-to-be Power 4, a decision they said was made months ago. In an interview last month, Sankey pointed to the CFP's longstanding rules around modifications to revenue policies, quote, you have to have unanimous votes to alter revenue distribution and diminish somebody else's revenue. That's it. The situation with SMU is a window into what is poised to be the most hotly contested debate for any new college football playoff contract starting in 2026, the revenue distribution that's, model. And it goes into deeper conversation about how it's set up. Again, quick context before you continue. The TV deal runs out in 2026. Earlier in January, there was a report that ESPN was willing to drop over a billion dollars to buy out the remaining years and then tack on a six-year extension to be the exclusive home for the college football playoff. However, do you think the Big Ten, who's partnered with Fox, and again, a report that Fox was interested in the college football playoff, wants to cede all of that to ESPN? Of course they don't. So money is the root of why the Big Ten and the SEC are getting together. They want to take over what this playoff is going to look like with the threat of, fine, you don't want to do the college football playoff our way? We'll do our own college football playoff. That's what this is about. The the SMU part is some rich irony there. Like Jim Phillips fighting for SMU to get money from the playoff when the ACC, spoiler, will not be giving SMU any money. (laughs) <laughs> it's good enough for us, but it's not good enough for you. <sighs> what? <laughs> Again, the, the Scar Joe mind trick that SMU has pulled. I just, I, <laughs> I can't get over it. I struggle with it. Now, but I don't want to sleep with you. Yeah, but it's free. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I still don't. But it's free. But it's free. <laughs> it's great. Still don't want to. <laughs> I have to balance out how I view these things because the why, are they, why are they going to fight over SMU? <laughs> because it's on, all the it's on principle. I think that's what it's what about. What is the Big 12 doing then with um, Central Florida? That's, that's, and, that's what okay. it is. I mean, that, that's ultimately what it is. And I think they can pinpoint what SMU. are we really talking about here? Four teams? Yeah. We're not talking about a lot of teams. Memphis or Cincinnati, it's whichever a, one is. It's it's and actually I think it's a Houston. What, I think it's to what you just joked about. It's that SMU is not taking any money from the ACC to join the ACC, and the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten are going. Wait a minute. So where's that money going to go? Oh, you want it for yourself? Nah, we're not doing that. Come on now. As if SMU is really going to have a chance in the college football playoff. Well, anyway. this is a separate pool. It is. This is the playoff money is distributed just for a little bit of background. The playoff money is distributed. The reason the playoff got off the ground to begin with Mm -hmm. was the playoff sit. The 14 playoff was exponentially more than the BCS. And part of that was a guarantee. Cause remember, remember five conferences in 2013 got together and said, (laughs) one of us every year, at least one of us every year is going to get left out. Well, how would you agree to that? 
you had guaranteed payoffs to the Power Five conferences. Also part of that. So 80% of the money went to the Power Five. Yeah. And then it was like 15 or 18% went to the group of five schools, conferences, not schools, conferences. And then the rest was there was a small amount to the FCS and some some other schools. So what SMU is saying and what ACC is saying, well, no, that now SMU is part of a power five. So there we should get more based on having a, more teams in our conference. And the, the people who control this, the SEC, the Big Ten are like, no, no, no that's no. not happening. So there, there's the thing that we have to balance with this. These schools love committees, man. They they, they want really a working do. group to come up with a committee. Really, the committee really sent it to another committee. And I think we can, I'm not, I think we can all agree that, yeah, getting rid of the NCAA is something that people feverishly want, but all you're did doing. Did you see Patina post game? No, I didn't see Patina post game. What did he say? Well, you know, sorry to derail you. You know that Tennessee is being investigated for, yeah, NIL, for NIL stuff, stuff and Florida right. State yeah. had already gotten and their hands slapped. Like, Tennessee's like, guys, you can't do this retroactively. Now they're suing. And that's mm-hmm. what Patino was saying. Basically, like every time he's basically said the NCAA enforcement needs to go away. Yeah. Because every time something happens, they're just going to get sued. Mm-hmm. You saw this with the transfer portal, including, say, North Carolina. Now with the NIL, Tennessee and the state of Virginia, I don't know why, but maybe something's going on with Virginia Tech. I don't know. Um, are now suing the NCAA mm-hmm. over this NIL enforcement. So Patino was like, you you can't, there's no point. Just do the things that we've talked about. Go run a great volleyball tournament and a great, you know, soccer tournament. Don't worry about all the other stuff that you think yeah. you're, you're supposed but to be in charge point, of. But the point here is that you can get rid of the NCAA as an enforcement, but somebody else has to come in and replace that, which is, again, another set of arbitrary rules. Maybe, maybe that's that a commissioner. Be, maybe that's a, a sport-by-sport commissioner. Ultimately, that is what college athletics needs. Yeah. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski has been screaming that sort of thing for college basketball for years. Yeah, what's good for football is different than what's good for basketball, which is different yeah. than what's good for soccer. And But I think that's where this is ultimately headed, that the Big Ten and the SEC will become the AFC and the NFC yeah. of college football. Um, you're going to have football only members of these two institutions, of these two conferences. Uh, I think that in several years, we'll as get, they should, as they should, yeah, as, as they should, because uh, at some point, Chip Kelly's been on this, and I think he's right. At, at some point, both the Big Ten and the SEC are going to look at the lower tier schools that don't compete and say, "All right, you're just either it's going to be a change in the revenue distribution model, or they're going to contract them and they're going to add other teams. Maybe they add a, a relegation." type system too, which is not very American, but who knows? I can dream, right? The point is, the point is, we see where Lucky this... Vanderbilt earns we, their way. We see where this is going. <laughs> Vanderbilt to Indiana. Who would have thought? We see where this is going. But, is it going to be a professionalization of college athletics, or are they still going to try to do this rigmarole of, well, we want these athletes, and there's the NIL, but they're not employees, okay? If the Big Ten and the SEC are doing this because they want to get to the end point, which is making players employees of the universities, and there's payrolls, salary caps, et cetera. That's, you know, saying that too. Yeah. If that's where they're headed, Godspeed, man. But be careful. Be careful. Because they're still universities at the end of the day. And the universities have been dragged. As much as the NCAA gets sued and they're dragged kicking and screaming into where they need to be to be modernized, the universities also need to be dragged kicking and streaming when it comes to paying the players. They still want to put the burden of paying players on the boosters. They want to put the burden of paying players on you, the fan. They want the NIL collective subscription models and everything else. They do not want that to go on the university books. 
So there's there's a couple ways to go about this, but sometimes in our in our you know pitchforks to go get the NCAA, you understand that the NCAA is made up of these institutions. It's Scooby-Doo with the mask. Yeah. Okay. It's the hot dog meme. All right. From I think you should leave. We're trying to find the guy who did this. Oh, you, the presidents did this. And now you want to form your own thing to do more of the same. So you got to be a little bit careful what you wish for. But I think we can all agree based on what happened with this news, based on what's going on with the uh, with the college football playoff revenue revenue distribution model. The ACC is screwed. No, this is yet another case. <coughs> Again, we're just putting stacks. We're just putting stacks. I, I know it was like a ten-minute segment. Like, I know to tell that, you was that even really yeah, necessary. That was ten minutes of setup to tell you, folks. Yet again, <laughs> the ACC is screwed. They're screwed. Okay, that's it. It's a wrap. This is just yet another example. I hope you enjoyed that, that long and winding road to such a revelation. <laughs> the ACC is screwed big thanks to breeze through for helping us out here on Ovi's and Gilio. check them they might be part of that thing that we're doing in may you never know they have a food truck with breeze through they do just yeah. point that out just point that out uh and breeze through's uh breeze through's definitely gonna be powering me this week uh with the coffee because there's a couple late night ACC basketball games uh, here in the triangle. So that's going to help you out. And most importantly, you can't get gas. Joe just realized you can get gas at breeze through. What a concept. Like, <laughs> it's sad, but it's true. <laughs> also big thanks to butcher's market. We were there last week, their new location, Lake Moon shopping uh, Plaza. It's been open for just over a month. Had a good time doing the live show from there. Kenneth is going to help us out with our OG tailgate later in February. You might not want to wait to get your own tailgate needs. Super Bowl needs head on over to the butcher's market to get all that fun stuff. Who says the Super Bowl has to be things like party platters, grill, signature steak tips on Super Bowl Sunday? Ooh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. And we're also talking about bundling and saving. That's what you can do with Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Check them out. Bugsbite.com is the website. Uh, these are two separate services, uh, but it's great to combine them because they're two different needs that you you do need to address. There's mosquitoes, which is mosquito authority. And then you have pest authority handling all the things on the interior of your house. Things like moisture, moisture, which is very, very crucial. So Gold Star listener Troy did the same thing. Gave them a shout. Went online to bugsbite.com. Saved a bunch of money. I love it. All right, let's get out of here on some Hey Joe. I was going to say, I feel like the Frasier music is is the international sign for Hey, let's get out of here yes. on some Hey Joe question. It has evolved into that. I like that. It has evolved into that. The Frasier music is where we're getting out of here on some Hey Joe questions. Although this week, we're not doing Hey Joe questions. No, we're not. We are doing, we are contractually obligated to SEO this bad boy and talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl week, Joe. We got to come up with all sorts of zany topics, list topics, Mount Rushmore's of Super Bowl commercials. What was your greatest halftime performance? Rank them. We all know it's Prince. Give, give me a minute here. What are you looking up? Let me add something to the screen. <laughs> what are you looking up? Um, so I, as a kid, ah, I, I a friend of mine used to work in the NFL. And a friend of my, my dad's friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Used to work for the NFL and they went every year and I would get 
pennants and posters and so many cool things. And I hate the NFL for homogenizing the Super Bowl logo. Um, so while we're on the list of Mount Rushmore of best Super Bowl things, mm-hmm. oh, it's it, look, I can't even, I can't even present the poster the right way. It's fine. It's cute. It, it's embarrassing. It's fine. Um, Nick, put it, put it, put it back the, up. The Super Bowl. I'll, I'll, I'll twist it. That's nah, fine. We'll just put it back the up. The Super Bowl we'll just 16 have people turn their poster. Phones. The Super Bowl 16 poster from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also happens to be the most watched Super Bowl in the, in the history of the game. It's to this day. It still is from 82. I remember watching this in my living room. My mm-hmm. dad had hooked up the TV to our living room, which had never been done before. Um, look, it, the thing is gorgeous. And I hate that they've gone away from yeah. the city. You know, this yeah. is Detroit. And I remember back in the day, I'm looking at these things and I, I had no idea what they were. And my dad was like, it's for cars. Joe, like Detroit <laughs> is the Motor City. Yeah, they're, Joe, they're, they're like they're hood, hood ornaments, emblems. Yeah, they're hood, and yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. if you come to my house, I still have this poster hanging up in I my know. kitchen. I know you do. So I, I hate that the Super Bowl has gone away from these things because the the Vegas, the possibilities for the Vegas Off personalized charts. Super Bowl would be just amazing. You, the hood ornaments. Right, Maybe you, we should ask AI today okay and we'll present what the super bowl 58 is that what we're up to i think so what super bowl 58 would look like in the vintage i'll see if i can make your that dad happen. would be all over that man your 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 pops went to a bunch of super bowls my right? dad didn't collect posters he collected programs nobody went to the but games. he went to the game yeah yeah, yeah 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 he went to the game yeah that was the that was the program cover yeah i had i had a bunch of cover uh, programs yeah. my well. dad to this day if i go to a final four or anything like that he always says hey bring me back a program. joey joey bring back a program that's that's totally what i do all right so let's get into some seo and if I scream Brock Purdy and Cam Newton, I can just sit back and just watch the clicks and the views wash <laughs> over me. Brock Purdy, Cam Newton, AI, do your thing. <laughs> We've I'm, hit, I'm so confused we, on this whole thing, man. We have hit we have hit a critical point in the are we having the same conversation when it comes to Brock Purdy? Let's provide Cam Newton's perspective before we get to Brock Purdy and how the rest of the week in the in the Super Bowl coverage is going to go. You'll remember that Cam Newton went viral a few weeks ago when he talked about the differences between game changers and game managers. And he raised a few eyebrows in particular when he said Dak Prescott is a game manager. Of course, we saw what happened with the Dallas Cowboys and suddenly went, oh, maybe Cam was on to something. But now that Tua Tunga Vailoa was in the same category, Brock Purdy, Brock was, Pat Purdy was in this category. So now that the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy did have a nice game ending drive that resulted in a Christian McCaffrey touchdown that yeah. ended up being the difference. People were like, there it is. There's your game winning drive. That's where Brock Purdy's a game changer. I know Brock Purdy did what Brock Purdy's done all season. He's had his ups and downs, but he has one key difference from Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to running that offense. He'll run. He, he has the ability to run. So Cam Newton. But it's wild to me that we went into the season. The, the 49ers were the second favorite in to enter the season. The Chiefs yeah. were the first. Yeah. The 49ers were second. They start 5-0 and and everyone was very excited about what the 49ers had. They were 5-0, and Joe. Then what happened? McCaffrey uh, got hurt. Uh, Debo Samuel got hurt. Brandon Ayuk missed some time. Weird. George Kittle was banged up. They lost three straight games to Cleveland, Minnesota, and Cincinnati. So weird. Without without their fully formed Boltron. Weird. Because Brock Purdy then had to win games. And 
couldn't. So Cam Newton, with Brock Purdy getting to the Super Bowl, has been called out saying, oh, well, where's your game manager by, now? By the strangest of people, too. Uh, yeah. People so, who should really know better. Cam did his show, fourth and one. And this is this the YouTube short version of it. And he's like, cool that he's in the Super Bowl, but he's not the best player on the team. I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this. To be labeled a game changer, Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Hmm. And that's not the case. And who's the best player? Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Man, look, I ain't recanting shit. And if you really want to just be honest, if you add in a defensive talent and you add in an offensive talent, Brock Purdy is the 10th best player on this team. Okay, cool. Did he have a great game? Yes. Yes. Is he been playing out of his mind? Yes. Is he a quarterback that's hot? Yes. Yes. But he's still the 10th best player on his team. All right. Here, here, <laughs> on, on the list of many differences between me and Cam Newton. Yeah. I feel all of that so deep, man. When he said, I didn't say, I never said Armando Baycott was trash. Right. I never said the Carolina roster was trash. And then he gives me the, I ain't recanting shit. I need all of that. Please. Pretty please. I love all of this. Uh, 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 of the board. I, I just don't understand why people can't discern the difference between what he's saying about these quarterbacks. And also, I don't get the narrative now of Richard Sherman and others coming out, ESPN's different personalities being like, if you were so good, you'd still be in the NFL. It's like, he's retired. He's retired. He poured it out, people. Yeah, he's he done. He played the position differently he's than done. anyone literally in the history of the game. Yeah, he's done. He was the MVP. He took Philly Brown to the Super Bowl. Like, this is not the same as taking Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kittle, all of the defensive players that he mentioned. Now, the Panthers did have an outstanding defense when they went to Super Bowl 50, but yeah, I, I get so confused why people try to make this so personal with Cam. Well, you know why. You know I mean, I why. Guess I do, you but know it's like, why. And this is where an informed Dan- opinion. And like, I don't, I don't get it. This is shout out to Darren Gann of Panthers.com. Back when he used to cover the Panthers for the Rock Hill Herald or for ProFootballTalk.com, he would consistently tell you, Cam Newton makes people stupid. And I thought that Cam Newton being off the field, retiring, would cause people to just kind of move on with their lives. The cam still makes people feel a particular type of way. You're right. He has a fully formed thought. He has backed it up, and he has doubled down, and he's absolutely right, and it's gotten personal. Now, I expect Richard Sherman to kind of come after cam because that, that has a deeper Seattle, Carolina Panthers thing, right? And Sherman has. Well, why isn't Richard Sherman still in the NFL? Sherman, well, because he's now. I mean, there, he's there's, he's there's giving a, out takes. But there's, like uh, 190 defensive backs in the NFL, and you're not one of them. And then you got the Jason McIntyres of the world that are doing a tail of the tape between Brock Purdy and oh, Cam Newton. Playoff wins. The playoff record. wins. And I'm like, buddy. And the weird <laughs> retconning of that Super Bowl team. Like, well, well Cam had all these, had, he had pro bowlers. Why do you think they were pro bowlers? Well, first and foremost, Greg, first and foremost, first and foremost, Pro Bowls are the worst metric you can use when judging a level of a team. Because with the Pro Bowl, guys go to the Super Bowl, they don't participate in the the Pro Bowl, and they get elevated to Pro Bowl. Like, oh, you know, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Right, because five different people said, I ain't going to the Pro Bowl. So that makes you a Pro Bowler. It's like me saying, you know, 
I'm an ESPN personality. You know why I'm an ESPN personality? Because I needed somebody at midnight on ESPN radio to fill in for two hours. I ate the same thing, okay? So this business of like, oh, well, look at the Pro Bowlers. Why do you, well, A, they got to the Pro Bowl because guys had to bail, number one. Number two, the big reason why the Carolina Panthers had Pro Bowlers in that year is because I can't freaking Newton. Is Greg Olson a Pro Bowler? Absolutely. freaking lutely But guys get elevated based on their record. They get elevated based on their quarterback play. That's what makes Cam Newton a game changer because he literally dragged their asses to fame and fortune. But it's personal, man. And Cam Newton makes people stupid. And Brock Purdy is now the next level of making people stupid. I'm ready to give, I am ready to give that honor of making people stupid to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy now makes people stupid. Because they flipped it to somehow saying like, if you attack our quarterback, nobody gets more criticism and he's never done anything. And it's like, what are you seeing the schooner right now? Like it's a sailboat. You like, what do you want to (laughs) see in this picture? So this because becomes it's a thing. Like, what? This becomes a thing. This was on a ESPN NFL countdown. Brock Purdy admits he was awestruck and laughs off game manager tag. How does it hit you, though, when you're referred to as a game manager? I think it's sort of funny just because, you know, we're winning. Well, I think over time I might get some respect, but more than anything, it hasn't been about proving people wrong or any of that. It's, it's always been about, you know, just proving myself right. You know, over time I've told myself that, you know, I'm good enough and I'm worthy enough to be playing at this level and over time i'll prove that to myself dramatic string music please tell me that is rights free music because the combination of stranger things and game of thrones has me all over that like i am i am so jealous i'll have to look that up i something tells me it's not rights free music i'm sure that's part of a library of music that disney pays for and has the rights to so i'll find out real quick when i put this bad boy on youtube (laughs) and i get flagged well we shall see look man you want to do a little post edit of the Joe's SEO, the Super Bowl. Yeah, we probably should do that. We should probably do that. Actually, I think people should, they should thank Cam Newton. Yeah. I think it's It is funny because I saw this. I forgot which NFL writer had put this out on social media, but it was like, why do we care what Cam Newton thinks? Clearly, <sighs> clearly you do because want much like that Super Bowl season with the dab and how good of a quarterback he is. Why you, does he celebrate every first down? You should thank Cam Newton. All Everybody should thank Cam Newton. Because without Cam Newton, who's driving the bus? You want to talk about game changers? Cam Newton has now elevated himself into a game changer in the media space. Yeah. Let's think about this. Cam's not attached to any network. Nope. He's doing it on his own. And he has people... Completely respect, man, completely (laughs) shifting, completely shifting their rundown of what they're going to talk about that day. Because, hey, did you see what Cam said on his YouTube show? So people want to, like, give Pat McAfee all the love and whatnot. Guess who's the next one? Guess who's coming up? Guess who's changing the conversations? It's Cam. So you should be thanking Cam to give you this content rather than be like, well, if you were so good, why are you retired? He's retired. It's over. It's over. Are we going to do that? By the way, we're going to do that when Tom Brady is on TV. We should, yeah. Because that's what I'm telling you right now. We already saw glimpses of this with Tom Brady. Tom Brady basically going the Jordan route. Tom Brady's acting like two Under these rules. Seriously, Tom (laughs) Brady is, what, a year removed from playing football? And he's already acting as though he's an NBA player from the 90s on ESPN telling you, well, you know, when I played, I mean, it was practically murder on the court. And now Tom's doing the exact same thing. Well, hey, Tom, if you you don't, why aren't you still playing then? 
right? So anyway, whole thing's dumb. Cam Newton makes people stupid. We'll see you Tuesday. Can't wait to see what we dig up in the SEO trick bag. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.